Hello, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 72 of the Archaeologist Podcast, the show where we discuss everything and anything that has to do with Ark Survival Evolved. I'm your host, Sean D. Knight, and with me are a number of players that are here to offer their insights and opinions on the latest topics, strategies, and upcoming features or patches. As I call our participants for tonight, say hello to the listeners and how many hours you have in Ark. Rico. 4450, howdy, y'all. And Leg Day. Hey, uh, 3446. All right. So uh, this week, no real main topic for the most part. There's a, there'll be a couple of meaty subjects, but for the most part, we're le- kicking back. We're going to relax a bit. Take it and, easy. Uh, I like it. Leg day. You're going to regale us with our first PVP fight on aberration. Awesome. With that said, uh, last week's question was: Is there any arc related item you would be tempted to buy from eBay or another site, and what is it? Now, I guess all of you were too embarrassed to say what it would be. I'm sure it was going to be the Shinehorn. So we'll move on to the regular mm-hmm. questions. Drake Vanders is back with the Wall of China saying, there's still plenty of stuff I'd love to see Wildcard add into Ark, and besides the Dino TLC passes and much-needed polish, there are some additions and balance changes I'd love to see them add and expand. One, one such idea for the Kibble system to be reworked and hopefully an interesting way for them to change it is that the larger the egg, the more kibble it makes per creation. An example could be that a Bronto egg could make 10 times Bronto kibble and so on, but smaller eggs like Raptor eggs could make two. Because at least with the smaller dinos, you can restrict them to a single area, unlike the aforementioned Bronto. I like it. It would certainly uh, cut down on the need for me to spend all my time looking at dino butts, hoping for an egg to pop out. <laughs> I, I have structures plus. I don't I don't have to watch dinosaur butts. Mm. Unofficial uh. elitist. <laughs> Unofficial casual. No, I'm retired. Get it right. <laughs> Number two, item additions to the engram tree. These primarily being in-between leveled items that reflect the technological gap between said items. Let's have something in-between the more primitive handcrafted stuff to the fabricated industrial items that makes grinding less of a chore. An alchemy or apothecary table as an in-between for the mortar and chem bench. An oven that hit fills both the campfire and industrial grill, as well as the cooking pot and industrial cooker. All in all, some items which can be crafted in the smithy instead of the fabricator. Yes, I highly agree. Yeah, I think people have been calling for something like that for a while. I would love something that combines the cooking pot and (laughs) the fire. would make things a lot more easier. I never could figure that one out. You can't even put wood in an industrial cooker, can you, to make charcoal? No. Well, then again, I mean, if you had a pressure cooker at home, would it cook wood in the charcoal? I don't know. I think it just gets soggy wood. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, even even on all my mods, I actually don't have anything that does that, to my knowledge. I've had a lot of complaints about my soggy wood, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Grown. <laughs> Three. Getting to work adding in the previously broken promises. Where are the beanbag shotgun slugs? More alternative ammo for weapons. The Halloween events, werewolf and vampire transformations. Advancements on diseases and sickness. Dynamic link bridges. All sorts of stuff that I believe should be eventually added into 2018. Shout out for the bridges. Hell yeah. You know what? Those updates are all the exact same place Star Citizen is in Never Gonna Happen Land. Well, I, you mm-hmm. know, going, I mean, there's a lot of you listed there, but as far as like diseases, for example, I think a lot of the enthusiasm for that on Wildcard's part probably got. Uh, taken or the wind got taken out of their sails when the community absolutely hated it. They hated <laughs> it. I thought it was cool. I yeah. thought it was awesome. Though we did have somebody who uh, claimed to be a dev tester talk about the werewolf and the vampire transformation, saying that those were ready to launch, except for one of the either the werewolf or the vampire. I forget which this person said there was an issue with the collision or something along those lines. And so they just yeah. scrapped I, the idea altogether. You know, I can, I can understand how they managed to work in explaining away the supernatural creatures that we encounter, but given what we know from the lore, there there is no room for vampires or werewolves in this game, especially with the stuff we know now about how people are created in the depths of the Ark. Mm-hmm. See, I have my theory is that they were trying to make Twilight vampires, and they realized that we would kill them, we would hunt them all down if they tried or implemented those. So I'm okay with them bending the rules of the lore a little bit just for some temporary silliness as long as it's Mm -hmm. not like four months. 
I was real. We were really looking forward to that event. Okay, uh, number four. Dino TLC passes should not just be focused about appearance changes. They should also reflect appropriate ability and behavioral changes. Not going to list them all, just the ones off the top of my head. So uh, we won't go any further into this because we do talk about the current Dino TLC and the fact that it's not just going to be visual. There will be some changes in ability and behavior changes as well, I believe. So I want to see some hints into what those are, though. Uh, yeah, I would, I, we'll get to it. We're, we'll get to it. <laughs> Number five, fruits and vegetables. More options in the farming category. Perhaps this could also fix the kibble system for many of the herbivores. Instead of kibble, they could eat a specialized form of fruit, further allowing the player to find a rare seed from rare flowers and rare mushrooms, allowing them to grow them when the right conditions are met. Yeah, I mean, mm. we still need our raw mutton equivalent for herbivores. We haven't gotten it. That's a good point. I don't know what's taking wild cards so long to do that, but whatever. Guess major bears are still the thing for most of them. Number six, more defensive options such as traps and turrets. A quick example is an is on aberration. Allow players to gather the seed of those spores, spear, and mushrooms, and allow them to be planted as a temporary trap, which delivers a puff of spores. Furthermore, interior traps allow players to effectively defend their base inside the bases. I like the idea of being able to use those hallucinogenic mushroom spores. I just like the idea of in, uh, of including more defensive tactics in general. Yeah. It makes the meta oh, more yes. diverse. Definitely. So before Aberration came out, you and I were working on some uh, kind of like a new turret tower design, <laughs> utilizing bees. Dino turrets. Dino turrets, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still working on it. Hopefully, if it works... It'll be very useful for us, especially for our offline raiding. But that all depends on the Dino AI, which I have a lot of complaints about. We're going to establish a new meta. <laughs> if it works, if it works. All right. Uh, number seven, biowarfare. More diseases and cures for them from common ailments to specialized infections, which can only be cured with special antidotes, such as ammonite bile. Yeah, I wish we'd gone further with the the, the diseases. Yeah, Before the more complaint. rarefied the disease, the more rarefied the cure. But they actually have to mm. make it rarefied. I mean, yeah, like I don't if even the know how I managed to avoid getting swamp fever the first time. If the disease is common, but the cure requires you to go to like a particular northern sector of the map, mm -hmm. I can see oh, people yeah, the being cure to, uh, for something that you, that um, like after they changed over to the swamp for the one of the main starting areas of the game. Yeah. I, I didn't, for like two weeks, nobody, no noob on the server made it out, uh, out of that swamp without swamp fever. <laughs> I did not get swamp fever until I got it on purpose in order to unlock the vampire eye skin. Pretty sure. Wait I didn't minute, get what? swamp fever until I went to server one during the war. <laughs> Wait, you needed the, uh, actually I missed that. You needed the you had to, to unlock the skin? You need to get this, you need to get infected and then cure yourself to unlock the vampire eye skin, yes. Wow. Oh, and just in case anyone's wondering about uh, uh, this, yes, your uh, a, a, your the information regarding what skins you've unlocked, despite being tied to the uh, the achievement system, the information is actually still stored on your computer. Do with that mm -hmm. information what you will. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight, boss improvements and balances. There's still an issue with bosses between having to farm them for element and the way they behave in battles. Even if they must be scripted to work correctly, such as withdrawn to some summon en enemies or going in a weakened state that does extra damage, then so be it. Yeah, there's still yeah. quite a few complaints about the boss battles and how they're implemented. Uh, my issue is now, um, after reading through all the lore and talking with a few people, including some of our, uh, our listeners, it's mm -hmm. very obvious that the whole charge station system was basically supposed to be part of how you got element everywhere originally. Right. I mean, they specifically meant our Diana's uh, notes specifically mentioned them harvesting uh, harvesting elements to make their tech gear, mm -hmm. having no idea what a boss is, and more importantly, doing it from the surface of what seems to be a fairly average island arc until they broke the surface. Which I find it strange that uh, they didn't even seem to. Uh, the the Diana's lore notes. It's it's very obvious whoever wrote those had not bothered to keep uh, didn't bother to check the lore against the 
changes they had made because originally this game was very lore compliant with itself. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, since aberration, the lore and the gameplay, it's like I was used to. I've said a hundred times before. Go hardcore single player, and the only thing you're missing from the lore is the other tribes. Until aberration came out, at least. Yep. Mm. <laughs> All right, number nine. Removing percentage amounts of the grind allow arc to be more favorable for players by eliminating specific elements, which are a grind to do, while keep others which are more acceptable. He didn't give any specific. Yeah, because I think the devil's in the details. There's some elements that are hard to farm because they're trying to limit the crafted items you can make with mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Anything off the top of our heads that we could think of? I was going to... Probably not, because a lot of the things that were hard to farm became easier as the game got older. That and, Pearls, you know, upgraded... I, I, uh... I, I want to mm -hmm. see bosses, uh, the, uh, the element farming and tech unlocking be removed from the bosses. It Based on yeah. the lore and the, and the storyline and everything, it makes zero sense for them to be gated behind that. And to be entirely honest... It never made that much sense for it to be gated that way to begin with. It's just the, what we all got used to. Yeah, they've cut off a large percentage of their player base from this particular portion of the game because, let's face it, Alpha Tribes, for the most part, and Mega Tribes are going to make it impossible if, if for anybody if, to do if they put, uh, If they made uh, Element Ore available, at the, uh, uh, you could harvest it inside of caves... Mm -hmm. And then change the uh, you know, change some of the recipe for if you're on an island server or Ragnarok or something like that. You'd instantly find you had the uh, uh, tech would be something that people could actually achieve. Yeah, not everybody would use it because, to be entirely honest, the vanilla tech stuff is um, not that useful. Fair enough. All right. Uh, the weapons are under impressive. The armor can't. Uh, the uh, the armor's secondary effects are the reason you wear it, not the armor, not for the armor itself. Yep. Wearing the armor itself has actually put you at a detriment in combat. <laughs> and Drake's final point: allow more fluff, such as clothing, skins, furniture, dino armor, etc. An example of the clothing is Tailor and Bench, which, when made, can craft unique apparel for players and dinos both as a standalone item or as a skin for specific armor sets, allow a greater customization to players when they get to a stage in the characters, such as scars or tattoos. Hmm. Yeah, man, that's an interesting list of ideas. I, I tell you, I actually forgot we were going down Drake's list of it so long. <laughs> so I like the idea of making different kinds of furniture, dino armor. The problem is it's the engram system, and I haven't really tried to test it out or anything, but with the aberration, you know, we didn't get any additional player levels to gain so that means no additional engram points but we have more engrams that can't need to be unlocked and i'm and pretty sure that the engram points haven't been scaled to any degree yeah i was just gonna say the, the engram system in this game is pretty primitive compared to some other games right there's other mm -hmm. games that have much more complicated trees and i think something like that detailed of a of an engram might be might lend itself to a more complicated engram system than our basic like the higher rank you got the more Engrams are going to unlock. Yep. Uh, Kimonico Wolfboy wanted to talk about Gaming Disorder. We talked about this last week, and he said, As for Gaming Disorder, that was back in January 30th, 2017, and the original poster that was... And the original post was so vague that Netflix couldn't even be considered a disorder for watching too many movies as well, because that's how vague it was. It, it also might really be a disorder. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, we brought up Gaming Disorder because it was back in the news cycle as the World Health Organization tried to make it an official thing. Load of bollocks was, I believe, our general consensus. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, to be honest, I actually didn't really so much uh, uh, nix the idea of it being something you can be addicted to. Just it being its own thing. It, it's just mm -hmm. another addiction. And some people are biologically more predisposed to addiction for one reason or another, and other people aren't. Yes, and that... The Who organization is a joke. Well, yes, it's it's a massive joke. In fact, I, I genuinely <laughs> find their existence to be insulting. Yep. Uh, Not that that's an argument against them. I I stick to their inability to do their own job as my argument against them. <laughs> now, uh, next generation gaming says you mentioned not many people use transponders. I started using them because I got tired of my quetzals flying off into oblivion whenever mm -hmm. I forgot to land them, and I instantly fell in love with them. From there, I found other uses, such as tracking something down if someone misplaced it, or finding someone who is currently using a dino if, say, they need me to bring them stuff. 
who needs a GPS when you have a giant label in the sky pointing you right to them? Uh, Blueprint injecting would most likely be injecting code into the game, either through external software or an internal bug exploit. That tells the server, spawn this blueprint with these debts and this material cost. Knowing that, it's quite obvious why they paid the paid bounty was so high. And that's in response to uh, the recent bounty program they started implemented for hacks. And one of them was Blueprint Injection, where the guy got paid $1,000 for reporting it. You know, I had a theory about this, actually, mm-hmm. thinking about it. So, you know, I, I've always assumed that the blueprints were generated by the server when you have a drop. Like, you go to the drop, it's been generated by the server, it's there, and what's in there is determined by the server, right? Mm-hmm. But if it's determined by the client, then I could see it being much easier to inject code into the server to say, hey, this is supposed to be, like, this awesome, amazing BP, and the server just yeah. says, okay. And the reason I think it might be that way is because there's certain... Remember, you could get some uh, blueprint buffs, right? You, there was ways to increase your luck um, over the course of the months and years that the game's been out. There's been different ways that the clients have had a chance to do that. So I don't know. Maybe it really was a thing. Yeah. Uh, I did like the idea of uh, him using transponders to keep track of his uh, tribe mates. I never thought of that. I always just <laughs> yelled at people to carry a GPS with them. Yeah, I might try that. Well, I mean, we actually did try that for a while because um, I think when you died, the transponder went to your bag. And this is before the bags had a marker on. Mm. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Problem was, if you were killed, I think the transponder just Would pretty be much dis- got destroyed yeah. most of the time. Because they were pretty easy to break. Still, though, good idea. But uh, speaking of good ideas, bad ideas, let's move on to threads and tweets. Now, uh, Wildcard posted up their Dino TLC preview number two. Did a little bit of talking about them, and they wrote, At the end of last year, we were very excited to share with you the early progress of our Dino TLC update. We know it's something you guys have been looking forward to for a long time, so here we are with another update. The plan is for the Dino TLC pass to roll out in multiple phases. Throughout the next few months, some creatures will receive visual changes as well as functional slash gameplay changes. We are targeting the release of Phase 1 to take place during the week of February the 18th on PC. In addition to Dino TLC Phase 1, we will also be rolling out our turret limit to all official servers. There it is. There it turret is. limit confirmed. Yep. Today, we'd like to share some more screenshots and provide some insight into what we're planning for Phase 1 of the TLC Pass. We've been reading all your feedback and suggestions regarding the creatures. Our artists and gameplay team have found it to be beneficial in the decision-making process. Something to keep in mind is that not all creatures will receive a visual update, but we will cover ones we feel with your feedback needed. Sometimes there may be function gameplay changes which weaken certain aspects of creatures. However, if we take anything away, we always plan to add it through another dimension. Now, uh, they gave us a few screenshots with some commentary. Uh, The first was the Dire Bear, and they wrote, We believe the Dire Bear is in a relatively secure place at the moment, though we're still planning on making a few changes to it. When riding a Dire Bear, players will be immune to bees. They won't be able to knock you off your bear, and they will target focus the bear instead of the player. In addition to this change, the bear will also be able to harvest honey from wild beehives without attracting bees or hurting the hive. Plus, the amount of honey it receives will be two times the standard amount. I and apparently it's going to stop being a short-faced bear. Yes. <laughs> lengthening the muzzle. I, I absolutely love the, the fact that they're adding these little special abilities, though. That, that's awesome. And I think that's kind of yeah. cute that the, the bears are going to have a bee buff. <laughs> now, uh, another dino they showed was the Protocoptodon, a.k.a. the Kangaroo, and they write, Right now, if you're using the Protocoptodon, it's primarily for transportation. We don't see it as a highly combative mount, more so a utility creature with its fantastic jump and ability to carry a second person. Here's what we we're planning. The Protocoptodon will take reduced fall damage, its carry weight will be noticeably increased, and it will gain the new ability to carry baby dinos and small creatures in its pouch. We figure that puts the creature in a decent spot, and the suggestion of using the pouch to carry babies was excellent. Ah, uh, we've forgotten something. Oh yes, we're going to give it a kick. It'll be a pretty tough and even be able to knock back some significantly large creatures. Nice. These are all really cool changes. Yeah, although as a combat mount, we use it as a combat mount. I remember having an origin carrying the kangaroo with me in it, holding a rocket launcher and shooting that rocket launcher from the pouch of a kangaroo while an argent was holding me you make the best of what you got exactly. i remember getting in the uh, pouch of a uh, kangaroo put, uh, grabbing a flamethrower so we could do drive-by flame attacks <laughs> and lighting the kangaroo on fire 
Oh, the things we had to do. We, <laughs> those were the days. Uh, the next one was the Gigantopithecus, a.k.a. Bigfoot. And they write, We had quite a few ideas pop into our heads when coming up with some additional abilities for the Bigfoot. Did it need more strength and fighting abilities? What about how well it moves? Could we provide it with some new features? Ultimately, here's what we settled on. The Bigfoot will receive an armor degrade and attack. This means when it fights, it'll do more damage to your armor's ability. It is important to note that the armor degrade and attack will not affect the Yeti creature found in the game. Its movement needed some work, so we'll be giving it the ability to jump, which is kind of critical, considering it will need to know how to hop on and off all the zip lines it's going to climb. Yep, that's right. It'll be able to use zip lines. In addition to those changes, we'll also be improving its throwing ability so it's more accurate and providing it with the ability to carry on its shoulder small creatures and throw them. My question is, are we going to see any more, are we going to see any more, uh, any of these, uh, any, uh, any new aberrant creatures soon? Because I want my bears back. I miss them. <laughs> I think this is going to make them really good for base defense, especially if they can carry a small creature to throw. I mean, combine, uh, monkey the, throwing, monkey throwing, poo. Uh, Bigfoot with the there monkey. <laughs> or how about a Bigfoot and a Pegamastix? Oh, yeah. I, I, I just had a horrible joke that I am not going to say because it will so get your channel deleted. I kind of want to hear this. I know you do, but seriously, I'm not going to say it. This is the kind of thing that <laughs> monetize channels for over. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Fair enough. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, tell me after we're done. Okay, okay. Um, the uh, dire wolf. It's a wolf, and what are wolves good for? Hunting. Now, if you're a wolf and you're hunting, what exactly are you going to rely on the most? Your nose. In phase one of the update, we'll be introducing a new ability, a passive buff, as well as changing how it howls and pack buff currently work. First of Wait, all, the how It's a passive buff? What's a passive buff? The buff. The pack buff. Oh, the pack buff. Gotcha. gotcha. But they're going to be getting a passive buff with a new ability, and they say... First of all, the how will activate the pack buff for a duration of time. We're thinking five minutes right now. This means it won't be active all the time, but to compensate, we'll be strengthening the buff to make the wolves stronger. As a little bonus is that when the alpha wolf howls, so will all the others. We're also planning for this mechanic nice. play out and with wild wolves too. As for its nose, we're doing two things. We're providing it with a passive buff, which allows it to sniff out people or creatures with less than 50% health. And this will be indicated via an icon. Think of it like the hunter's instinct. Secondly, we'll be giving it a sniff tertiary ability to indicate nearby explorer notes, as well as detect stealth or buried creatures. Okay, that was actually really what I was asking, is what the buff actually was. And mm -hmm. that, that's awesome. So you're, you're an injured player, you're 50% health, you're bleeding out, and you're going to get hunted down. Yep. And then these will also find all those um, Perlovias people hide to store their stuff. Uh-oh. Note to self. <laughs> hmm. Wait we a minute. That means I'm going to have to make sure I find high ground that wolves can't get to unless somebody's flying with one. I don't know. That's going to be very interesting. And then finally, they talk about the T-Rex. It's in a pretty strong place at the moment. It's considered one of the top tier creatures. It is used continuously to fight bosses as well as often seen in PvP. So we didn't want to give it too many changes to avoid making it overpowered. Here's what our plan is. We're going to improve its movement climbing ability so that it doesn't get stuck behind small rocks and can climb up steeper slopes. We're also planning to change the roar. When targeting an enemy and using the roar, the enemy will be forced to poop. There will be a cooldown <laughs> on both the Rex and people. Oh my god, they're finally going to do the finally, poop Finally, yes. Oh, wow, who have recently awesome. pooped. So you can't poop lock them with 10 Rexes. That pretty much covers it for phase one of the TLC pass. Let us know what you think, whether we're missing anything glaringly obvious. We're also planning, not definite, on carrying out more visual changes to the following creatures. The Spino, Sarco, Carno, Raptor, Female Megaloceros, uh, the Plesio, and Argy. Let us know what you'd like to see improved with those, as well as any other creatures you may think may need some love that we're overlooking. The spine needs to be bigger and bipedal. <laughs> I'm just glad that they're finally letting the Rex Roar do something or affect people in some way. Though uh, we did have some criticisms about the changes to the Rex and making it smaller. Well, I mean, it actually kind of should be, so. <sighs> Dude, I want a T-Rex, not this weird genetic mutant thing we call a T-Rex. <laughs> but it's so awesome. So 
love the uh, abilities being implemented. Not too crazy about the the visuals being upgraded because I'm curious how big of a performance hit this will cause to the game. Not just on PC, but on for consoles as well. It really depends if the increased visuals requires increased polygon counts or if they're just tweaking the shape of the models, you know, right. the color Which we don't textures. know. Though I do find it interesting that we know it's coming out for PC February 18th, but no date for the console version. I thought that was interesting to notice. I think they've learned their lesson that the console process is a little unpredictable, probably. Yeah. Which is interesting because the Ragnarok update just went out for consoles, and there's supposedly been a lot of issues with this last patch for some of the console versions. I'm not exactly sure what. Uh, for any of you listeners who may be playing on console but like to listen to us, we appreciate it. Let us know what kind of problems have been happening because we don't keep up with that. This is more official server PC podcast oriented. With a little bit of unofficial. With a little bit of unofficial. <laughs> okay, so user Doppel Cortex made a post titled it Aberration Fail Tech. And he writes, if you kill Rockwell, you unlock the bed, sniper, Drake Saddle tech. But you can craft because you don't have the tech replicator. And for unlocking the tech replicator, you need to kill the Broodmother, and the Broodmother don't spawn in Aberration. So, if you play only on Aberration, you can never crack tech, craft tech. Enjoy. If you don't, uh, and if you don't go specifically to the uh, uh, the Ragnarok Arena, you're never getting the Sword or the Shield. Why you want well, them, I'm not entirely sure, but you're never getting them. I mean, it's it, this is an expansion to a base game, though. I, I don't think it first-time is, players but, are going to be playing Aberration. Well, or no, because Mayo, one of our tribe mates, Aberration is the first map he's played on, really. Well, Siphon scored Earth for like a week, and then when we all went to Aberration, he came with us. But he's a brand new player, and he's only ever played on Aberration. I think I mean, it's the exception. This is this is one of the, my biggest problems with the way that the tech system is cur- uh, currently works. Beyond it's just being, you know. Uh, it should be account based. Lore breaking. It, it unlocking the tech stuff, having to do it with bosses. I mean, I can understand mm-hmm. having the bosses drop a massive amount of element because they're supposed to be the hybrid creatures, and the hybrid creatures are apparently a lot more complicated to make. Yeah. And so, you know, who knows? Maybe they just have a bunch of raw elements shoved into their body to to sort of maintain whatever's been done to them long enough for them to exist. <laughs> but you know so maybe they're a good place to farm but honestly they really need to go back and take a look at how tech is unlocked and how you get element yeah i think that should be a a nice little main topic for another day just talk about tech and what needs to be done with it yeah i think we'll put a pin on that and come back to it another time now swaggy k says battery power turrets being placed in enemy bases is broken and he goes on to write it's so overpowered and a cheap and easy tactic borderline broken with the ability to shoot people off tames i disagree i'll meet him halfway on this is i think there should be tighter limits on where you can place eh. the turret like you should probably not be able to be place it right inside an enemy structure so but it can be used offensively and defensively so i i don't have a problem with this i love it in fact, because if we're being attacked at our base, well, we have the ability to outflank our opponents now easily without alerting them by just grabbing some batteries, grabbing some turrets and bullets, quickly going behind them and ringing them in, you know, with surrounding them with turrets without generators for them to destroy. Yeah, I, I just I feel like we love it right up until it's used against us. Well, that's that's. That's par for the course for anything like that. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't consider it OP. I think it gives a new element to PvP, one that I think a lot of people can utilize if they know how to do it properly or it, even you know, think about cool. doing it. I will say it is cool, and maybe um, one. And here's another random idea I'll shoot out there to try to balance it: is to make the turrets a lot heavier. I mean, the bullets are already pretty yeah. heavy. To take, take, you know, a few turrets and some bullets out there. Turrets weigh what five ten pounds? I thought they were twenty. I'd say knock up the weight to fifty pounds a turret just to make it harder for people to lug those around for a fob. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Problem solved. All right. Pirates wild card. We are doing wild cards work for them. Here's something I thought was a little tongue in cheek. Trinzilla says, "Give us the ability to hang ourselves with zip lines, so my edgy goth girlfriend will play Ark with me." 
Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting suggestion. That'll ever happen, but all right. Speaking of uh, tongue and cheek, Shadow Rune Two pulled up the description for it was PC Gamers the Looty Awards. And for it, they were talking about a survival game, and he quotes it saying, quote, wait, what? A survival game left early access this year? Wait, again? And what, again? Two of them, Ark Survival Evolved and The Long Dark, both left early access? Wow, I didn't know that was a thing that could happen. I thought maybe Steam forgot to make a leave early access button for survival game developers to click on. Or maybe that they had to cut down a real tree using an axe made from a stick, a stone, and a plant fiber before they were allowed to leave early access, and no one could actually do it. Well, good for Ark and Dark. May your stomach meters be full and your supply of firewood be plentiful. And this was the blurb was written by Chris Livingston from PC Gamer. But Shadowrun 2 went on to say, My thoughts after reading this are, So Ark forced out of early access prematurely, ridden with quite a few problems, and couldn't even beat the long dark in this category. Uh, guys, this isn't good news at all. It's like saying it can't be true, but then when you look and play, you say, what happened, Ark? This isn't a solid finished product. Why did you choose to come out of early access so soon? Was it, the, was it the delay of three previous official releases? No. Was it the push for solid discs and their demand of making the exclusive skins a pay item in their marketplace? Or was it because you wanted to jack that price to $60 during the holidays to get some financing for your next project? Or is it something I didn't list? At the end of the day, I think we're all left a little confused after the fact. I wish you the best. I really do. It's making a lot of assumptions there. Well, come on. It's hard not to figure out that the that aberration at the very least was pushed out. And I think that's the reason. I think that's one of the main reasons why they made officially launched the game. Yeah, because they, I think, and I said this before, is I think they they wanted to make DLC more palatable. Because I, I thought the argument that, hey... Why are you releasing Scorched Shirt? This isn't a release game. And I always said, even back then, I'm like, well, they should just stamp the word release on it, and it would have been in the same exact mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. So, ah, maybe we'll see what this is a trend. Maybe more developers will do this just so they can, as as being an early access title starts to have a certain stigma associated with it, which I think it kind of is getting. Um, more people will just say, we're released I mean, 1.0. I, I don't know where people thought that buying into early access was you buying unofficially produced or not officially produced but a a game that was launch ready it's not you're just paying to beta test the game for the developer i would also say in the state that it is in not the state you think it's going to be although i mean we're all human right mm-hmm. I, I bought uh, star citizen not because of the state it's in but because of what i think it's going to be you know 30 years from now <laughs> yeah. when, but, it com- uh, like, when it comes uh when star uh when it comes out as star Ci- uh as star citizen uh, de- uh dedicated in loving memory too <laughs> <laughs> i'm uh, sorry i you know roberts is a freaking genius but i don't think he'll ever finish this project i honestly don't i i, I don't think he can i, I think, think he, he can every time he gets close He's, he realizes how much further he could go and make it even closer to what he's always wanted. Right. And and that's the thing. He's, But it's hard because he keeps getting all this money and he thinks, well, we got this money. We could do even – we could make this game fleshed out even more. And I think he needs to get – he needed to get to the point where, okay, we have to stop here. This you is know, where we got to stop. We need to release this game finally. And then, then if we make more money – we can do expansion packs. That's what he. That's what Chris Roberts needs to do when it comes. to That money could be used for amazing servers and customer support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed, things that Walgard likes. Or a uh, stage-sized mock-up of a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> or an oh, no, wait, spaceship. That's what it was used for. <laughs> Look, I have faith. Star Citizen will come out. I have faith. Just like I have faith that Half-Life Three will be a thing. It was a thing. It was a forum post. That okay, was a here, thing. Here's, here, here's how this works. I have faith that black holes exist because everything about science <laughs> says they should exist. I don't have faith that Star Citizen will come out because every bit of evidence I have seen suggests it never will. I think they've got what I wanted. It looked to make uh, the, the concept is so amazing. Yeah. They've made what, over two hundred million dollars in funding for that game so far? Yeah, some some of them seen like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh some sad news. Dedicated ARC player and Reddit user Damien is quitting ARC, and he writes, 
I finally decided to quit Ark. It hasn't come easy and it's taken far longer than it should have, but the realities of this game inevitably seep in for all of us, I think. The ridiculous disparity between the time it takes to build up de defenses versus tearing them down, the lack of endgame content and aberration due to poor choices on breeding design, the snooze fest which is boss grinding without much fun, the list goes on and on and on. It finally just hit me one day as I logged in, I just don't enjoy the game anymore. The biggest issue though is with the lack of attention in fixing key issues. Enough is enough. There are issues with this game that have existed for literal years that have never been addressed. There's always an excuse. We're too busy working on tech tier. We're too busy working on official release. We're too busy working on aberration. And next it'll be too busy working on the TLC pass. And inevitably too busy working on extinction. And then it'll be too busy working on ARC 2.0. So on and so forth. Let's face it, this isn't ever going to end. Things like boss encounter imbalance is never going to be addressed, let alone the fact that the center's boss fight is straight up broken and has been since release. I've gone through the proper channels, I've even had Jat respond. No updates, no fixes for plus months now. Can you tell I main on center? Also, all of the broken promises from dev diaries or whatever. How's that nerf to Dragon Breath coming? You know, the one you promised us six months ago? So let's run an experiment. I'm going to share with you a whole bunch of fun oversights that currently exist in the game. This is the kind of stuff that most tribes keep secret because we don't want it to get fixed. But technically, this is no more or less bugged and broken than all of the things we have reported, and none of those things ever seem to get any attention whatsoever. What do you think are the odds this stuff will get fixed ASAP though? Will it go unnoticed? Will it be ignored? Or will it be fixed lightning fast because they only care about fixing things that hurt the game, not the players? Let's find out. Number 5. We made artifacts annoying for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Remember when artifacts were easier to farm? You could put one on your person, one on your shoulder mount, and also one on your dino mount. Meaning one trip down with a saber backup could yield three artifacts a trip, should you be willing to wait for the artifact timer. Then, remember when the developers thought this was too easy and decided to make it so we had to bring them up one at a time because... I mean, it's not like this is something they basically designed the game around with the concept of farming it in large quantities or anything. Nah, screw it. Let's make it as stupid and tedious as we possibly can. Keep in mind, in most caves, enemies won't typically respawn while you're inside of it, meaning this is literally just forcing us to run back and forth from the artifacts to the entrance, dropping off the artifacts one by one by one at a time until we have the desired amount. This is impractical and dumb. Here's the fix. Take a Pegamastics with you, loot the artifact, take everything out of your inventory, save the artifact, put the Pego on aggressive, unclaim the Pego, stand next to it, it will attack you and loot the artifact off of you. Reclaim the Pego, rinse, repeat. A Pego can store an unlimited amount of artifacts in its inventory and will even over encumber itself. You can take 50 artifacts back up in one trip. Hooray! Better go do it while you still can because God knows when they'll fix this, fix this before they ever bother listening to an ounce of feedback about how crappy this artifact system is. Number 4. The center boss fight is broken as all hell. How to fix it yourself. A short time before launch, Wildcard made a major pass on the boss encounters and fixed up some of the seriously BS mechanics. Stuff like the monkey doing ridiculous damage and killing riders off of mounts, among other things. This was all good and dandy, except they sort of forgot to update Beta and Alpha Monkey Spider on center with this update. For some reason, Gamma works just fine. It's only Beta slash Alpha that still use the outdated rule set and damage modifiers and numbers. It basically makes the fight unwinnable by most standards. The monkey hits with his base slam attack for more damage than his rock throws, which clearly tells you something strange is amiss. What's even weirder is if you do manage to beat Alpha or beta, your implant won't even update correctly and only shows you as beaten gamma unless you go and beat them on island. This is because the game doesn't even recognize those monkey spider variants as a real thing since they're using an outdated rule set. Here is the fix. If you go down the right side ramp, you can actually use parachutes to time well-placed jumps and land on the ramps to the left side of the ramp next to the houses. Doing this correctly will allow you to stand up on a cliff overlooking the monkey spider, and you can then use shotguns to stand there blowing them to hell. They will be completely unable to hit you, save for the very rare but possible Kobe special monkey rock throw. It happens sometimes. And it's a free kill, so long as you don't slip off and fall down with them. Betcha they fix the cliffs before they fix the set of bosses themselves. And if you're having trouble with the parachute jumping, number three. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's... 
When you use a crossbow and fire a grappling hook at a creature, the game makes one important check. What is the drag weight of the thing you've shot, and how does it compare to your own drag weight? What this basically boils down to is, if the weight of the target is less than your, or equal to your own, you drag it toward you when you press the button. If it weighs more than you, you drag yourself towards the target instead. This equates to common sense scenarios. You'll tug a Jerboa or a Dodo around like a jerk, or launch yourself towards a Bronto or a Rex like a ninja, except in one weird case, that of the Ichthyornis. Yeah, the seagulls. You see, they kind of screwed up with the Ichthys. The drag weight of Ichthys is actually higher than your own, which makes for some weird scenarios when you put it on your shoulder. Step 1. Place the Ichthy on the ground in front of you. Step 2. Shoot the Ichthy with a grappling hook. Step 3. While grappled, pick the Ichthy up on your shoulder. Step 4. Press the left click button. Voila! You are now airborne and can fully control the flight by proper clicks of the mouse. To descend, let up on it a second and free fall. To ascend, click down on left click and reel yourself towards the Ichthy. In essence, you are pulling yourself towards the bird in a never-ending cycle of motion. One of my guys once said, It's sort of like making yourself fly by pulling your own feet up above your head infinitely. This is especially useful in all sorts of scenarios. As long as you are grappled before a boss fight starts, you can enter the boss arena grappled intact, meaning you can straight up fly in the fights. You can fly up onto terrain in the monkey fight on island or on the mushrooms in the spider fight. You can fly to those previously mentioned cliffs in the center fight. Bosses are unable to do much about it, so go to town on them with shotguns. I bet you they fix this for boss fights before actually implementing any of the fixes and improvements they've been promising us for months. Number two, feed your baby the easy way by letting it eat you. Go on. Currently, Reaper Kings are kind of crap. They went through all this effort to massively buff their stats by making their EHP respectable, which is a thankful nod to the post I made about their EHP, which wasn't even in the top 5 on Aberration. Well, that's great and all, but the damage is still pretty lame. This thing should be scary, it should have purpose, it should be the shiny show-off dino that actually matters. At best, it's an oversized Megalosaurus. Well, even if it's not all that much to write home about, here's a dirt simple method for raising one. Currently, if a baby reaper kills you, it will, it will auto-loot your corpse. This one pretty much writes itself, folks. Put about 100 stacks of cooked meat in your personal inventory, pop a gland, claim the baby, let the gland expire, and then let the baby eat you alive. Once it gets the finishing blow, bada bing bada boom, 100 stacks of cooked meat nice and snug in its personal inventory. From that point on, it will eat contentedly and pretty much make its way out of baby phase. Just make sure you pop another gland to ensure it looted you. Bet they'll fix this before they actually fix Reapers to be, you know, a worthy and respectable tame, eh? Number one, speaking of babies. Okay, this one is really out there, and I still to this day don't know the full ins and outs of how it works, but it works, sort of. Essentially, you may already know this, but when it comes to dinos, pretty much nothing takes place regarding dinos when everything is out of render. If two dinos are fighting and you die, and no one else is around, your dino doesn't die right away because it doesn't because it isn't in render at all. Once you go back into render, poof, the fighting starts back up again. Some effects still take place out of render. Dinos will heal, dinos will eat, dinos will grow. Basic stuff happens even out of render that doesn't require direct interaction. However, for whatever reason, this passive stuff only seems to happen once the dino has actually been in render in the first place. That sentence may be a bit confusing. Let me explain how we discovered this and it will make a bit more sense. A while ago, we were breeding Brontos in a cave we used for Brontos that's secluded and very far away from most ongoings of the tribe. We used teleporters to go to and fro and no one else on the server really ever bothers with that cave. Well, as most tribes will attest to, we had one of those oh no scenarios where someone realized they'd sort of forgotten about their egg timer. Yep, dozens of Bronto eggs that were cooking down weren't picked up in time. Whoops. Well, that individual went back to the cave to ensure his fears, regardless of the fact that it was much later than he would have needed to go, only to find that the babies were not only, were not, only not dead, but actually progressed through baby phase by 5% when he got there. They were still unclaimed, mind you. So he claimed the babies and finished the breeding. What happened here? Turns out when a baby initially hatches from an egg, it doesn't actually start existing and checking for passive stat calculations until it's been rendered at least once. This means you could 
theoretically, raise a giga to full maturation on zero meat, should that giga never once come into render at any given time, theoretically. The more logical application of this is simply to get dinos out of baby phase without actually feeding them a bite. This requires remote locations no one goes to, and for whatever reason, also only seems to work on dinos that hatch from eggs. We could never seem to get this to work with mammals. In fact, it seemed mammals were just straight up despawning. Betcha they fixed this before they fixed any of the <laughs> number of issues with breeding that have existed since day one of breeding being released. Hey, remember when they said they changed the color mutations only pulled from color regions actually on the dino? Yeah, I remember that one too. But yes, that is the the whole kitten caboodle of his post. A lot to digest. Wow. And it's okay, quite a so send-off. I'll tell you, I'm going to start off by saying my biggest problem with this post. Mm-hmm. It, it's, uh, hey, uh, I'm quitting the game. So here's a bunch of exploits, and I ain't going to deal with the consequences. I'm gone. It's your guys' problem now. Which I, I just mm-hmm. think is such a crappy thing to do. No, it's... Well, he's gone through the proper channels. The devs know about it, and yet they still haven't fixed it. So well, now, now everybody knows about it. Yeah. Well, see, we saw this happening on Legacy Server up to the final days of the Legacy Servers, where some of the uh, duping methods and some of the other hacking methods were just put out there. Because people were sick and tired of them being there, sick and tired of telling Wildcard about them, but Wildcard not doing anything until the entire community knew about them and could do it themselves if they wanted to. Then Wildcard had to step in and do something about it. And I think my 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 follow up to that is, you know, I think his criticism is, hey, there's all these bugs. Wildcard is driving me crazy because they're not fixing them. Mm-hmm. And here's a bunch of bugs that we kept secret they didn't know about. And I bet you Wildcard is going to drive us crazy by fixing them. It's. <laughs> <laughs> and you catch that line, he's like, I bet you, because Wildcard only fixes the bugs they like, or whatever. I'm like, well, you know. No, the, that they only fix the, the, ga- the uh, bugs that affect the game, not the players. Well, I don't think it's a particularly controversial tactic to only um, focus on the bugs or, that most people are knowing about and are causing major problems. you got to mm-hmm. prioritize and rack and stack. So if these things mentioned start becoming huge issues, I don't. It wouldn't surprise me if Wildcard started addressing them. I don't think anything he listed was particularly game-breaking, though, other than the boss exploits. Look, all I, I've got one question for us. Do we have a good pump shotgun blueprint that we can use? Because <laughs> I want to get on these boss runs real quick before these get fixed. I, I think we probably... Okay, I'm just guessing here. I bet you we got mm, two to three weeks before these are patched. <laughs> But uh, Damien, sad to see you quitting the game. Going to miss your post because you were one of the best Reddit posters out there. You got you put out some great stuff. He'll be back. I, no I one. Hope I, so. I, I took a. I, I went. You know, after the legacy went down, I was gone for a good long time. But mm-hmm. eventually, I started playing solo just because I wanted to see play with the dinosaurs again and. And then time goes on, and and I decide what the hell play Hank's server, and now I'm <laughs> I'm playing like I haven't played in over a year. So, yep. <laughs> you know another weird thing. While we're on the topic, looking at the comments, there were a lot of people that kind of just jumped into the discussion just to crap on the game, right? Mm-hmm. And it's ex players like it's saying comments like, "I quit this gate game three months ago, and I just checked in to see if I should play again. I guess not." It, it's just to me that's so bizarre. It's almost like they're trying to reinforce a decision they made that they still feel guilty about. Eh, certainly possible. I wouldn't necessarily say guilty, but one they regret. So here, here's my here's my thing, because Ark is probably the first game I put this kind of time into, right? Out of my gaming career. So mm-hmm. I, I don't have a lot of breadth of experience to, to comment on other communities that are in a similar situation. Ha, ha, is this common, like in other games? Do you see this in the world? Oh, wild yeah. Community? I mean, I had that same similar thing with Counter-Strike. I played that uh, on and off for... 10 years for CS 1.6. But do you get people going in the forums five years later saying like, oh, I see this game still totally sucks? Um, Every now and then. It's but just weird. Not to I this degree. Know. But even then, I wasn't very uh, active on the forums for Counter-Strike back in the day when I was playing it. So I couldn't really attest to that too much. Mm. Yeah, I don't think Reddit existed when I was playing Counter-Strike. Mm-hmm. But uh, you'll, you'll see this kind of uh, attitude when it comes to MMOs especially. Uh, people will play it for like a year, quit for a few months, and then, but, you know, they'll quit, but they'll keep up with the game, read the forums, and then they'll 
put out a, a comment saying, you know, glad I quit when I did. Seems nothing has changed or they will come back or something did change to the point that they thought they'd give it another chance. Realized it's still not as good as they wanted. Quit, rinse, and repeat. Now, it's when you find that good game that you know can be great. Yeah, that dev, that's true. Uh, if, you, if you really uh, love a game and you know it can be better, it's got to be a frustrating thing. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of like my love-hate with ARC, too. So I, I kind of get that. Yep. All right, uh, final thread we're looking at comes from Silky Ruff, who titled his saying, Don't us- underestimate the power of ARC on kids learning. And he goes on to write, A different thread got me thinking about this, and now... And I'm now curious about other parent experiences. As a dad of several, we play ARC as a family on our private servers, and the things my kids are learning, some without even realizing it, has surprised me. The first lesson is obviously the survival sustenance aspect, and although not accurate, they learn about efficiency in movement, resource management, and basic must-dos like fire, shelter, food, and water. Give kids the chance to prepare for a tame and they learn planning. Give kids two tames and they learn about breeding and then rearing and raising. Give kids a project and they learn about cooperation. In among all of this is a fascination for all things dinos. And using Google, my kids can rattle off dino names and their periods and it has put natural history into perspective for them. But some are less obvious. Consider the other morning. I'm driving out, driving into town and one of my kids said, look, there's smoke to the northwest. I asked, how do you know that's northwest? They reply, it's 10 o'clock. Look at the shadows on the trees, Dad. Something I've taught them to use an arc as a means to navigate Sand's compass. It has real-world application. Give kids a PvP server and they'll learn how to be murderous psychopaths. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? I, I tried. Uh, I, I guess maybe uh, I already just taken to, uh, to always uh, just memorizing the physical locations and stuff, but... I remember when I first started out, I'd carry a compass almost everywhere, and if I forgot a compass, one, one day I forgot, and I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to figure out if the light coming off the uh, sun will actually cast proper shadows. Mm-hmm. And after finding a group of trees that were um, all shadowed differently, I decided that they didn't. So all that being said, though, I, I actually love the fact that the this parent is finding ways to teach his kids life lessons through a video game, mm-hmm. and I think this is a great way to spend time as a family. Maybe. I don't know. There's certain things that might not be. You know, when it comes to video games, first-person shooters tends to improve your hand-eye coordination. Real-time strategy games such as StarCraft and those games teach you resource management and timing. Art really gives you the whole gamut of things it could teach you, And as this gentleman pointed out in his post. It's truly amazing. And if they were into PvP, it'd give you a little bit of a lesson in strategy and tactics. Oh, come on. We all know what PvP is in this game. <laughs> Zerg and the other enemy? It's oh, PvP. There are two types of PvP. There's the kind uh, where the plan goes off without a hitch and your enemy never logs on during the entire fight. <laughs> and there's the kind where everything goes to crap because they do. And then it's just sort of a slap fight for the next five days. <laughs> Everybody flailing and, and just doing desperate, crazy things until they create an opening, and if you're lucky, you manage to exploit that opening. Yep. Indeed. I know uh, one of the first things I always tell people when they start playing the game is know your direction. Know north, south, east, and west. Learn to orient your, orientate yourself and learn the terrain, the surrounding terrain, because you're going to need to learn it all real quick. Man, watching two or three noobs try to coordinate finding each other for spawning in for the first time on the first day of the game is just so painful. <laughs> on Global, I'm over here by this tree. What There's do you a mean dino. by a tree? There's a There's thousand a trees. No, it's by the mountain. The mountain. The tree on the mountain. It's I'm by the this Rex. I'm by this Rex right here. Yeah. Oh, what am I saying? It wouldn't be by a mountain. It's always on the beach. Yes, it's always on the beach. But think about it. How how many people have, can't remember where they put their very first base or very first thatch hut? Yeah. I can remember where I put the very first structure I created. Yeah. Under I can uh, under uh, one of uh, the uh, the seaside waterfall up, up in the North River. This is because <laughs> I uh, I was I'd also like to uh, point out we were frozen thrown by the time I made that base. Oh wow. <laughs> I, I That's actually. Right. Found, I can't remember if it was yours. I can't remember if it was Rico's or Sean's, but I found a two by three starter base on OS8 that looked like it had been there since the first day of the game. Oh, it was I it over it was, in the uh, 
east was south, by Green Abbey? It was southeast. It definitely was southeast. I think on the southeast peninsula. Yeah, I think that was mine. Yeah, I think it was yours, Sean. I was just I, I think, testing things I, out. I just needed temporary shelter before I found a good base location, which happened to be uh, directly north of the Green Obelisk. I think I told Gishma, I'm like, I, I think we just found like a sacred archaeological site. <laughs> <laughs> there were quite a few of those in the end. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I actually remember my first building location, but we lost it. Like mm-hmm. we we could not remember where it was for life us until we accidentally ran into it because the terrain had changed a lot with uh, trees because right. there was bases built in the area and that's what made it really hard to refine it. But uh, yeah, it was a one by one thatch just like everybody else <laughs> had a campfire and everything. Ah, <sighs> those were the days. All they right, were. patch notes. Not much really. Uh, Two seventy six point four one fixed. An animation-related server crash, and then they made glow sticks not grindable. And then in 276.42, aberration fixed issue with power nodes not recharging when stasis. And then they fixed an issue with the queen bee. I'd like to know what that issue with the queen bee is because I still have issues with the queen bee. I noticed that um, on aberration, at the very least, it's back to that old issue where beehives are spawning on top of each other. So when I find a beehive with a queen bee in it, when I go to destroy it, chances are I might be destroying one of the other hives that are stacked on top of it and not the one with the queen bee in it sometimes. Really annoying. Hmm. But at least it makes it easier for the queen bees to be tamed because it gets stuck in the other hives and I just run up and feed it. Now, our main topic for tonight and late day, this is all on you. Wait a minute, you said there was no main topic. Yeah, I said the main topic was our first (laughs) real fight, PvP fight on Aberration. Which I was not there for, sadly. Yeah, like you were saying, Leg Day's going to explain this one. I was thinking to myself, why just me? Oh, that's right. You guys weren't there for that one. I wasn't there for that. I couldn't get Mayo, Shigo, or Grubber on for tonight. So, Well, I, I, I mean, my description is just going to be short and sweet to say that it was a lot of fun. It was fun to get back into the PvP aspects of the game. Mm-hmm. And um, it was fun to see Drakes and Reapers uh, used in action, or at least to defend against them. Yep. Um, crabs. I mean, it was pretty much everything we predicted. Crabs throwing, um, uh, uh, what you call it, stegosaurus to drain turrets. Reapers throwing spit. Um, drakes going out onto high points to snipe. Um, the usual stuff. And uh, I think our theory was that, you know, they uh, brought in dinos but uh, farmed up the saddles on the, uh, on the server. And mm-hmm. uh, I think they did pretty good and i want to say that the odds just kind of got stacked against the attackers in the end because we brought so many people against them but in general it's fun it's fun to, you know i always say this it's if you ever have a base you know in arc we're used to getting wiped right you know all of us on this podcast are been wiped dozens of times but when you finally get a chance to defend your base online it's a lot of fun Mm-hmm. It might be a little stressful but once you kind of get into the swing of things it's a lot of fun and you start to quickly learn where all your deficiencies have been. Like, oh man, I we should have crafted more of this, or we should have crafted more of that, or we should have put a vault closer to the the front this front door to grab things easier. Yeah. You know. uh, so sniping uh trying to snipe people off Stego sucks. <laughs> so um, let, let's start at the beginning. Now, how did we find out that we were being hit? First of all, uh one of our guys is out farming and uh he said, Hey calmly, hey guys, I just got jumped and I saw the death message, and then I saw his uh, crab got killed. I'm like, that's kind of unusual. And then within a few seconds, we started hearing all the whooshes of the... Uh... So I don't know, for those who might not know, when a drake kind of flies anywhere near your base, you practically hear it at full volume. Yeah. And we started IDing all these drakes that were in a tribe we did not uh, recognize. So Pretty soon um... uh, we started getting reports from allies that, uh, mm-hmm. hey, do you guys know there's a fob by your base? <laughs> yes. Um now these guys brought what couple drakes, couple reapers. At least two reapers, um three, four, three stegos. Four drakes, three four stegos. Christmas colored, of course. Mm-hmm. Um set up a really small fob for the number of dinos they, they had. It was a what, a two by two it by two, two by, fob? Yeah, it was a two by two by two with a vault, usual gen, like four or five guns, and some backup parts. 
You know, had they put a little stronger fob, I think they could have made more of a fight. But uh, I think, you know, at the end of the day, if I'm going to critique, and I don't seriously doubt any of them are listening to this, but if I'm going to critique um, their attack, I think they got, it, it, to me at least, being a defender watching them, it seemed a little disorganized. Mm-hmm. Um, seemed like just randomly sniping them from different positions was keeping them just enough off their toes where their pushes were, instead of all five of them, or however four of them, I'm not really, we never really were quite sure how many there were, pushed at once, you know, two or three of them would push, or they try whistling dinos up one at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like if it had been a little bit more organized, it might have got a little bit more headway. But like I said, uh, at the end of the day, it, they basically got outgunned and out, outnumbered. So you guys utilize any of the uh, ab- aberration-oriented items for this fight, like the Zeus fruit... Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So we were doing um, probably, I don't know how effective it was, but it was funny to watch. Uh, One of our tribe mates, uh, Mayo, going in there, flying in with a glide suit and dropping uh, Plant Z bombs on them and dismounting them. (laughs) That was fun. So as they were were coming up with Stegos, they're throwing Plant Zs out the windows to try to, like, dismount them. And then once they were dismounted, quickly trying to snipe them. That, That was fun. (laughs) <laughs> um, a little disappointed. I was hoping, you know, I, I'm not. I wasn't really good at throwing the Plant Z. I did Plant Z myself once or twice. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think the Plant Z has a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think we need to keep stockpiles of it. I'm not sure if it's that much better than poison, uh, to be fair or to be honest. But um, I'd say poison is more time. more effective, especially for knocking out the rider. Yeah, but. The Z is great for just quickly dismounting the rider and letting and letting your snipers take the rider out or the turrets that they're trying to soak your the best your plant Z, The best plant Z moment we had was a Drake was coming up one of our weak sides and was getting close and mm-hmm. we plant Z him. The Drake now here's the weird thing. For whatever reason, after the after the driver got dismounted, um the Drake just glitched and just flew across the map, which was kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, in general, I'd say uh, you know, just thinking about our uh, aberration specific things, I would like to have more crabs and more uh, stegos. When the crabs went in there, they they lasted pretty good, and mm-hmm. the stegos did a really good job of draining. Um, the one or two times we actually did that tactic, I think we did that tactic way too late. We were pretty conservative about putting our dinos out there. I think we wanted to see how the base defenses did before we start risking the dinos. Right, right. Um, but yeah, no, it was a fun fight. And I think everyone was, even the attackers were good sports in the end about it. Yeah. You guys seem to have a lot of fun. I just wish I'd been there so I could have enjoyed some of it. Yeah. <sighs> Don't think we got too much loot though, which kind of sucks. I mean, we, we might've got a few armor kits, but nothing too, nothing, nothing to nothing uh, right home about replace the turrets or the turret that, ammo. That was a moment when I started to realize that we were probably going to win was when they started, um, having to mount all their dinos naked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's always a sign that the resources are starting to run low. Exactly. No way to repair their broken armor or anything like that. Yeah. But, and, uh, you know, uh, so just to be frank about it, though, and I've been alluding to this for a while, you know, the Alpha Travel and Server coming to save our butts uh, went a long ways to make sure that uh, they weren't able to gain too much ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once it was a two-sided fight... Um, it was pretty much over. Well, you point. guys were holding them off pretty well on your own. They weren't able to make any leeway. They didn't yeah, get past I, the, the first turret tower. Yeah, I, I think it was really just going to turn into a war of attrition at a certain yeah. point. You know, um, as long as we can keep our bullets, our, our turrets full of bullets, and we keep our, our, our sniper rifles full of ammo, I think we could have held them off. Because um, at the end of the day, they only had a limited number of stakes. Now they could have had more things uploaded than we saw, and maybe they didn't download everything. Yeah. But I don't think they had enough stegos to drain everything we had. And every time they threw things up, we would, you know, immediately chomp on it. <laughs> um, I mean, in the in the heat of battle, I was like, there was a, I remember there was a stego up on our one, near one of our defensive walls. It was just calmly sitting there draining turrets. And I had to make a decision of whether or not I was going to turn the turret tower off or not to yeah. or just ignore it and move on to other things. And so we, I opted to ignore it, but then we sent in a crab to chomp on it. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's great. 
Yeah. I don't want to. I'm I'm not trying to be cocky by any means. There was we definitely did not. You guys are a little worried for. We definitely did not know if we were going to be able to hold out. We did not know what we were facing, and I think that's what made it exciting. But our new guys, uh, Mayo, Shigo, they seem to have a lot of fun with their first. Well, for Mayo, it was his first real PvP fight. I've been. I'm not a PvPer by any stretch of the imagination, but I've been in a lot of fights, uh, particularly defensive fights, and mm. every time it's just freaking exciting. I love it. Yeah, it's 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 what makes this game a lot of fun. It's when you're fighting with your tribe mates, shoulder to shoulder, back to back against a common enemy. It really gets the blood boiling. It reminds you why you built all that stuff and what exactly. the survival elements exactly. You know what it <laughs> what it's about. Yeah, and it was reminded to me how much I loved it. I mean. Don't get me wrong. It was also a reminder to me how infuriating some game mechanics were. <laughs> but, but in general, it was fun. Indeed. And, you know, that's what ARK is really all about for us, the, the PvP aspect. But, of course, when you don't get a chance to defend your server or your tribe or your dinos and what you've built, it tends to suck because on official PvP servers, the issue of Mega Tribes is a disconcerting one. But one thing the majority of them love to do is slot cap in a server when they want to go raid or fight another tribe. Now, obviously, this is a cheese tactic because they are filling up the server with their people so that the defenders can't log in. So, listeners, the question this week is, can you think of some way to prevent a mega tribe from slot cap in the server so that the defenders have a chance to defend what they have built? And this idea has to be something that Wildcard might be able to implement. So... Provide your answers in the comment section or give us your answer in our Discord channel. I'll provide you an invite to the channel in the comment section if you would like to chat with us or hang out. Because it is time to close out episode 72 of the Archaeologist Podcast. Thank you to our participants this week and thank you for listening to us on YouTube. If you have enjoyed this week's episode, feel free to like and share this video and subscribe to the channel. You can also leave comments or questions for us in the comment section below. Goodbye and stay alive, survivors. Oh my god, have you seen the pictures for the freaking bear? Mm hmm. Oh, why can't I have one of those on? Oh, it's not going to be a short faced bear anymore. (laughs) And that, I guess, means we should get this going.